this is the old show feed for the LGBTQ podcast that gives you news and views from a non-straight perspective. We took the eight out of the name, so the podcast was renamed Not Straightcast, all spelled out as of episode 32. The last episode on this old feed is episode 35. Episode 36 and beyond are now located on the new feed. All the links are located on our website, notstraightcast.com, where you can search for Not Straightcast in your favorite podcast app. Also, visit notstraightworld.com for links to all of our websites. Want to support Not Straightcast? Visit the notstraightcast.com slash store where you can get a Not Straightcast t-shirt, hat, bag, coffee mug, and much, much more. Along with getting some snazzy merchandise, your purchase in the notstraightcast.com forward slash store also helps support the show. Once again, that's notstraightcast.com forward slash store. News and views from a Not Straight perspective. This is Not Straight Cast, episode 30 for December 6th, 2023. Welcome to Not Straight Cast. I'm Joe. And I'm Becca. And Becca, how are you doing? I'm awesome. Awesome. I'm, like, I'm excited. So, this is our <laughs> second show. <laughs> and we're still having some technical difficulties with my microphone, but we will get it sorted out. I think you sound fine, yeah, but we'll get this all straightened out here. You know, damn team you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you get that mic at, actually? If you don't Amazon. Mind me asking. Yeah, uh, Amazon, yeah. Yeah. I swear, people buy stuff off Timu and then resell it on Amazon sometimes. Uh, I'm thinking that that's what happened with the second one that I got because it's it's a piece of duty. Like, I'm going to take it back. <laughs> It's like a shit with a USB cable attached to it, right? Yeah. <laughs> a piece of shit. You plug it in. <laughs> and then you talk into the piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. It sometimes smells just as bad. Yeah. That could be a little bit of a problem if it smells, but <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know I only paid $5 for this, but it shouldn't smell like shit. Anyways. You never know. I, I got a coat from eBay. <laughs> last year and it, it must have been in a, in a, like a wet warehouse for the last 20 years because it's vintage <laughs> it's from the 90s but it was okay it, it's it smelled like like you'd think that they would have like at least cleaned it or something before mm -hmm. they sent it no no they did not it smelled like a mildew <laughs> they call it new old stock yeah that's yeah. <laughs> basically what that is yeah and uh you know, it's like, I swear, though, I mean, like, like speaking about team, did you, did you ever shop on there? I have. I, I like to mm -hmm. do um, some projects with resin, and I've gotten a couple of, like, art supplies. I haven't bought any clothes from there, though. I've heard they're pretty crappy. Actually, I bought a shirt from there, and it fits fine. Yeah? It's fine, yeah. Okay. I think it just depends, you know? Yeah. Because even, like, these mouse pads, like, you're looking on my webcam here, you can see the mouse pad I'm holding up here. It's yeah. like a normal mouse pad, but it's a big mouse pad, you know? You got that from Timu. I got those on Timu, but I um sometimes when I order them, I got a piece of leather instead of it was like literally or fake leather or whatever whatever they use there instead of like like a fabric, you know, 
that they normally use for a mouse pad. It was almost more like a leather kind of thing. Oh, it worked okay. as a mouse pad, but it wasn't quite what I was looking for. Yeah. yeah. So and it didn't match the other one either there. So I like every time I ordered, it was only like two bucks. So it wasn't like any big deal. But I would go ahead and I would order these. And then eventually I stumbled upon the seller who was actually selling these mouse pads there. So I bought one. Even though this technically this new mouse pad's kind of big, I don't mind having it overlap a little bit because basically gotcha. I have an L-shaped desk, and so I have a mouse pad on this side, and I have a mouse pad on this side, and so basically I just needed the mouse pads to match, and that, eventually yeah. I eventually hit upon it and they matched. Anyways, have you ever gotten anything from Shein? I've not. No, I've heard that's more for clothes. There are a lot of clothes on there, but um, okay. something I did notice when I was playing around with, with the website the one day, and, and I thought it was odd. I was looking up something. I, I've been really into vintage dresses lately, like 1950s, mm -hmm. 60s kind of stuff, and I was looking for like a kind of a swing cocktail dress, and like I, you know, Googled swing cocktail dress, and you know, it came yeah. up and it, from Shein, but there... I'm looking at the picture and it looks familiar to me. Now there's another website. It's called retrostage.com and it's awesome. Okay. Like, the, the stuff is legit. It's reasonably priced. It's all vintage from the twenties up to the sixties. And they've started to get some seventies stuff in there too. Mm -hmm. Shein is taking photographs from retro stage, putting it on their website and then sending you a crappy imitation. I think uh, the same thing happened. I saw that on Timu as well. There basically were like some um, person on uh, Facebook was selling a certain product in their store, their actual physical store. And Timu was selling like basically a knockoff version of it there. I heard so, about that. Yeah, I heard about that. So that doesn't surprise me at all there that they're doing that, you know. I mean, they're, they're trying to make sales and, you know, so these websites are going to do anything. I mean... Just the amount of emails I get from Timu is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I had to turn off the notifications for them because they came so frequently. I have over 100 notifications, you know, in oh Timu. God. And it's kind of like, I don't pay attention <laughs> to them. I was like, oops, sorry, we forgot to tell you. No, you fucking didn't, you know? Because <laughs> you would have told me during the sales process and not have waited until afterwards and be like, oops, sorry, we screwed up, you know? <laughs> But uh, anyways, um, yeah, we could go on that. Team, it could be a whole entire show. Yeah, it could be. It really could be. We could end conspiracy theories on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Is Team poisoning your water? Find out. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, I realized in the whole entire excitement of having the show again, I forgot to mention a few things during the last show. First off, yeah. happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> happy thanksgiving to you too <laughs> or now it's past thanksgiving at yeah, this point post there. thanksgiving but now the beginning hey. of december actually oh gosh like november just started like yesterday i feel like i know now exactly. it's december are you in the holiday spirit I i'm trying to be you know as you know i, I lost my mom a couple of months ago hmm. and um yeah, it's been it's been hard. I like Thanksgiving. I, I wound up going over to a friend's house. Uh, she and her wife adopted eight children. Wow! So it's it's lively at their house. So I'm like, I, I'll imagine. be around all these people, and they have like four giant dogs too. 
So I just imagine it's me. very clean in that house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so clean, spotless, getting off the floor in that house. No. But yes, uh, this week oh. I decided that I was going to put up a Christmas tree. I wasn't going to. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I'm trying to kind of force it. And then, like I said, uh, well, I was telling you before that we started the show, um, you know, my girlfriend got us tickets to go see the Trans-Siberian Orchestra and she's coming down next weekend too. Um, so we're going to do a little Christmas together. So, um, I got a tree, I decorated it. It's, it's lovely. That's sweet. <laughs> I've I'm yet trying. to put up, I've yet to put up my Christmas tree, but in the cabinet back here is where my Christmas tree is at. So literally all the do is just open it up, pull it out and put it down. The problem is I don't really have any counter space to put it down anymore. So it's more or less a matter of, I don't know where I'm going to put it at. Yeah. I just got a little like three footer. It's up on this little like cabinet thingy that I have. Yeah. Same here. It's like this tall. It's not, you know, it's, it's about like three feet tall as well. Yeah. Um, But part of the reason why I have no room is, is that, you know, um, I'm trying to buy a house and I tried last summer. I thought I found the house I loved and everything there. Long story short is that it went under contract before I could really get my act together and, uh, and ended up selling for like $10,000 less than what they were offering for it, which was $73,000. They sold it for 65. Was it a company that bought it? Do you know who bought it? I don't know yet. I guess I'll find out here in the next few days there. But nonetheless, it was kind of like, you know, you would think, oh, you know, this shouldn't depress me there. But it's kind of like I realized getting into this whole entire situation, this is a stressful situation, you know. It is. And house shopping is hard, especially nowadays, because you have these companies that are, that are coming in with cash. Exactly. So, you know, people are, are going to take that offer rather than, you know, the financing and dealing with the bank and everything. And there's one company, BlackRock, that's, that's been kind of at the helm of all that. And, and they've bought a lot of, you know, properties and turned them into Airbnbs that are like sitting empty, basically. Yeah, this ended up being, uh, I didn't know this at the time. And now that I've been to the process a little bit there, I kind of know that this was a RE owned, which stands for real estate owned. Uh, basically, see? it was yeah. basically a foreclosure is what it was. And so, yeah, with that said, I was like, okay, well, the reason why I was like that was, is that whenever I talked to a real estate agent, they're like, oh, this is real estate and we can't sell this to you there. And I was doing a little more research and everything, and I realized the reason why they didn't want to sell it to me is, is that, number one, they don't have any experience in doing it, and number two, they didn't want to touch it. So it's more or less, I think I have to find a real estate agent who is more willing to look at those kind of, you know, properties there, because I think being a single person, you know, and, you know, being single, I don't need a huge house, you know. Yeah, but, it's but, a hard process anyways. It's good to probably work with a real estate agent anyways. Yeah, but I realized there too, it's like, you know, the quality of real estate agents really varies, you know, as does mortgage lenders and everything there. And it's just kind of like, I think the reason why this process is so stressful is, is that there's so many moving parts in the process there that it ends up being a situation where it's kind of like, you know, I think that real estate agent wants you to work with their mortgage company there. But if you're getting pre-approved, so you can even talk to a real estate agent, it's kind of like, it's a big mess, basically, is what it boils down to. It is. I used to work for a closing company and we did all the, 
the paperwork that you know regarding home sales and mm -hmm. the little bitty laws and all the the like the paperwork that you have to fill out it, it's it's it, it's extensive yeah and there's a lot of people that have their hands in it and it just it's way more complicated than it should be but everything mm -hmm. is <laughs> i mean it makes buying a car a lot easier nowadays you know <laughs> It oh, really yeah. is, you know? Yeah, I got my car on Carvana. I had a great experience. Yeah, I think we talked about that in the last episode. There. I got oh, yeah, there too. yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, so far it's been fine. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing that did happen is that the day I got the car, my parents were like, hey, meet me about, uh, you know, 15 minutes away in Moroville. You know, I live right outside the city of Pittsburgh. So Moroville is about 15 minutes away from where I live. And they're like, meet me for dinner you know, or meet us for dinner, I guess I should say. And so I went and I met them for dinner and we had dinner You know, I showed them the car and everything. You know, my mom sat in it, took a nice picture and everything. It was really cool. You know, everything worked out well. We went in and we had dinner. We came out, it started snowing, but it must've been a snow squall because there was like just much of a layer. There was just a layer of snow on the ground. Mm-hmm. To the point where it was kind of like they hadn't scraped it yet. So like the roads were covered and everything. So great. I have a new car and I'm driving it in snow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might as well break it in right away, you know. Well, I was fine <laughs> until I got down before I turned into my neighborhood. And it was like a slant. It was like, I don't know, 45 degree angle going down. And I was coming towards the light and I put on my brakes and I started sliding a little bit. Oh no. ABS went on. I'm just kind of like, great. I have a new car and I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm going to die. Well, at least my car looks good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. For the five minutes that I had the car. Yeah. <laughs> so, thankfully though, the ABS turned on and eventually stopped. I think a lot of it had to do with the tires because the car came from Florida. Uh, it didn't have yeah. rust, but I don't think it had winter tires on it. So. Nonetheless, I just don't drive it that much during the winter if it's going to snow. <laughs> I try not way. to either. Mine's terrible in the snow. The yeah, or maybe yacht. just that. I don't know. Yeah, it's just I think these cars are too light is the problem here. Yeah, that's that's exactly what my car is. Like, I have to put mm -hmm. some sandbags in it when it starts getting icy and stuff. Otherwise, I'll slide everywhere. I think we just need some winter tires. But none of us, I don't <laughs> think we want to actually go through the expense of getting winter tires. Do you? No, I don't. I get the all. <laughs> yeah, I get the all season tires usually. And I realize is that looking online at the kind of tires that I have, I don't think these tires are actually sold in the northern climes or mid Atlantic. You know, because we're, we're in Pennsylvania. And this came from yeah. Florida. I think they're only sold down south. You know, where if they don't get snow, right? Or if they get snow, nobody's actually going and you know dealing with that there. You know where they actually are actually driving in it. So does it ever snow in Florida? It has, but it's like we're talking like Tallahassee, which is at the top uh, northern of Florida, right? Yeah, and it's like once every ten years it snows. But just a matter of it getting cold enough there, and I don't think it does. My friend now lives in Atlanta, and okay. they they get snow maybe once a year. Yeah, you know? but it's usually because the jet stream has dipped so far down that it's cold down there. You know. It's cold enough for it to snow. I have but, some folks that live down in South Florida, and if it gets down to like 50 degrees, they have sweaters on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's 
cold to them, you know. But yeah, when it's 80 degrees, when I lived in Florida, when it was, you know, I actually came back up to Pittsburgh to visit. It was cold, you know. Mm. I was not used to the fact that, you know, the temperatures, you know, it just being 50 degrees here was just cold to me because it's never 50 down there. So I think that's the reason why they think it's cold. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it kind of like, you know, we're kind of like we're all wearing our shorts, you know, and our winter jackets. You know, and I was like, oh, yeah, nice and warm. And they're like, it's freezing to death, you know. They're just not used to <laughs> it. We're all. we're all like, it's short weather. <laughs> exactly. But also, too, we got way off track here. We we're talking we about did. Thanksgiving. Yeah, we did. <laughs> so I forgot to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. So I did that. And then also, too, we forgot to talk about the new show schedule. It's going to be bi-weekly, basically, is long story short. Um, So we're going to do a show every other week. Because when we originally did not straight cast, we're doing it every single week. And I think we were getting burned out doing it every single week. You know? <laughs> but I think at this point now, it's kind of like, you know, this is enough to where we're not getting burned out doing it. Right. Yeah. Like some play, some podcasts do like multiple times a week. I don't know how they do that. I know. <laughs> that must be like all they do. Like they have all that time to, you know. Well, I realized though, well, I realized though too is that, you know, just speaking about gay men in general, you know, <laughs> gay men usually fall into one of two categories, either either perpetual losers or overachievers. You know, it's kind of like, oh, I'm a degree in this and I'm doing this, 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 and this. And I think I'm starting to fall into the overachiever category. Because <laughs> it's like I work full time. I'm in school full time. You know, I'm doing the podcast. I am bull. I do other stuff there too. And it's just kind of like I have a lot of my plate, you know. Oh, sounds like you have a very full life. Like that's awesome. But it's kind of like, are most people like this, or is it just because I'm overachieving, you know? And I think a lot of it has just to do with just, you know, the environment that gay men are in that, you know, kind of like the cards are stacked against us a little bit is why we kind of fall into that category. Yeah. And I think over the last couple of years, it's the divide has gotten worse because the, the pandemic, it, it really, for I, I don't know. I have a, a friend that's in, you know, always he's, he's in the dating scene and, you know, he, he's meeting this guy and that guy and, and there's just so many problems. <laughs> like he, it, it he's either runs into people that have like like you said like that they have nothing going for them or they have yeah. too much too, going for them too much <laughs> that they don't have the time to actually you know invest in dating mm -hmm. i'm in the point where i'm not investing in dating right now because i tried dating somebody back much earlier this year back in march and i refer to it as my 15 day relationship because that's literally <laughs> as long as it lasted i know i knew this person for years I was actually friends with them on Facebook for years. And, you know, we decided to hang out. We hit it off and everything there. And things were going real fast. And literally the day after he met my parents, we broke up. And it was also the day after my birthday, too. <laughs> that was the worst part about it all. Uh, oh, my gosh. And did I'm just he get weirded like, out or something about meeting the folks? or He just got real shitty with me, basically. It was the long is to make a long story short, he just got real shitty with me. And um I was kind of like, no, I'm not putting up with this. Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. 
Yeah, it was kind of like I'd rather deal with 15 days, you know, ending like that, you know, than it being a situation where I would go on months and months and months, you know. It's kind of like my BS filter went from, you know, zero to 100 really quickly because, you know, how you have that BS filter. And I yeah, think I mean, that's good, though. It was also the sunken cost fallacy where, you know, if I spent more time in this relationship, I'd be willing to put up with more shit, basically, is what it boils down to. And right. I wasn't willing to put up with the shit now, you know? So why would I even put up with it later on? Why should I put up? You know, what, why, why, why should I put up with this behavior later on? Yeah, and it's great that you were able to see the red flags that, you know, right away, because we often get blinded by stuff and think that everything's hunky-dory until it's too late. It eventually came now to the point where I feel like that if I need to date somebody, I need to run them through the, there's a, um, the Allegheny criminal justice system has to go to and see <laughs> yeah. if they have any parking tickets or anything. They need a, a psychological evaluation. <laughs> well, I need to go run them through that and figure out, you know, whether, you know, things <laughs> are there. effed up on their end, you know? Uh, but yeah, I discovered later on is that, yeah, basically um, I think he got evicted from his apartment. Oh, that's fun. So, more power to him, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you know, but it's just kind of like, you know, I kind of wonder though, did I dodge a bullet? And I guess I did, but it's yeah, kind of it like, like it. You know, I just think I'm unlucky in love is what it boils down to, you know. Uh I don't know that you have standards. And you know, hey, having standards cuts out a lot of people because there are a lot of people in this world that need to work on themselves. Anyways, um, yeah, so along with that there, um, kind of changing the topic a little bit here. Um, I sent out a bunch of Christmas cards this year. Yeah, I got mine. I got when, mine. The other, it was, when, um, when did you get yours? Uh, what day was that? What What day did I tell you? It was the, I told uh, you, you said, the day after I got it. So in this case, I think you told me on the, I think you told me on the 27th. Okay, like then I got Wednesday it. You got it. So I got it the day the before that. Yeah. Okay. So I sent these out. I sent them on the 14th there from Greensburg because I stopped up to see my parents. And the mailbox I dropped them all into, there were like a stack, probably about this big. You know, they were probably about two inches, I would say, in height. Okay. So I sent about 30 cards out. Okay. So I sent them out from Greensburg because I was at the grocery store because there was a mailbox there and there was a grocery store. I picked up my prescriptions, sent out my cards and everything. So I did it all one trip. So in this case here then, so they went out on the 15th because when I looked at the mailbox, it said that the pickup was at 10.30 a.m. So it had been 10.30 a.m. on Friday that they would, they would pick them up and then delivered them. So they went on the 15th there. So yours took about a week and a half, a little less than a week and a half. They get, which was quite long actually for going from Greensburg, Pennsylvania to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, that is a long time. My friend in Los Angeles got his on the 20th. What the heck? <laughs> so he got it in five days. Okay. My friend in Atlanta got his, um, in seven days, he got his on the 25th, I think the day before you got yours. Yeah, okay. Huh, that's wild. I don't know yeah. how, I wonder how that works. Like, 
You know how I, I, I used to live in the Midwest in an area that was collectively called Southern Illinois. And like you're, we're talking like real small town life. Like there were sundown towns, like the whole, the whole bit down there. So get out the it, banjo kind of. Places. Yeah. <laughs> some of them. Yeah, for sure. Okay. <laughs> you could definitely hear the banjos, <laughs> but if you had to mail anything, uh, the closest uh, metropolitan area to where we were was St. Louis, which was two and a half to three hours away. Okay. So all the mail from the entire area in Southern Illinois has to go up through St. Louis. And then it then it gets dispersed from there. So even if you mail the town, like one town to the other, like I lived in Heron. If I mailed something from Heron to Carbondale, which is like a couple towns over, it had to go to St. Louis first and turn back around. It was the most back so added a, thing. So it added a few days onto the trip, basically. Yeah, if, so, if something, like if it showed up at all, really. Okay. So, yeah, I'm wondering if that was the case there. Like like my friend in Los Angeles, he used to live in Pittsburgh. He moved to L.A. Uh, we were talking about that, and it was like, yeah, is there like a series of uh, like pneumatic tubes, you know, like the ones they have at banks that do the deposits? And <laughs> is there a series of pneumatic tubes that we don't know about? <laughs> I was like, probably what happened is, is that my letter went to Pittsburgh, got put on a flight to L.A. Because Los Angeles is obviously the second biggest city in the United States. And ended up there. So probably, that's probably why you got it so quickly. But I'm just kind of curious, though, why it took yours so long to get there? Is it that I wrote the address poorly? No, you... it was fine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, like you you could read it, right? Yeah. 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 Did you have anything that we needed to talk about here? Um. No, I think I went over anything I wanted to talk about when, like, at the beginning of the show. Oh, cool. Christmas okay. and stuff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah, we're glad to be back here, and we're ready to go into the news, I think, right? Yeah, yep. Okay, here we go. Uh. <laughs> so Pope Francis wrote a letter in July, quote, We cannot be judges who only deny, push back, and exclude. As such... Pastoral prudence must adequately discern whether there are forms of blessing requested by one or several people that do not convey a wrong idea of a matrimony, because when one seeks a blessing, one is requesting help from God, unquote. And this is definitely a difference from the statements made by a Vatican official in 2021, which said the blessings of same-sex couples were not permitted. Uh, the statement was made by a Vatican official with which Pope Francis has since removed. And just a sidetrack here, like the, the Catholic Church has come a long way, at least with this Pope. I mean, he's gotten a lot of pushback from some of his more uh, progressive ideas about things, but it, it's, it's as a, I call myself a recovered Catholic. As a recovered Catholic, I, I appreciate this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But when asked about what his response would be to an LGBTQ Catholic who was rejected by, by the church, he had this to say, I would have them recognize it as not a rejection of the church, but instead of people in the church. The church is a mother and calls together all her children. A selective church, one of pure blood, is not holy mother church, but rather a sect. So he's basically calling them a cult. 
Yeah, exactly. I was thinking <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> and and now the Pope's response is still against same-sex marriages as that is a religious sacrament, but people in the church say that with decreasing rates of attendance, it's necessary to look at issues of inclusion within the religion. So are are they really, you know, wanting to include us because they think that it's the, you know, morally right thing to do, or they just worry about their coffers? I think with all this here, I think the Catholic Church is becoming more Republican. Is becoming more Republican. Yes. More conservative, more Republican, more, mm. you know, they're kind of headed towards that side of things there, I think, you know. Well, Pope Francis, like with his thoughts, it brought on a conservative backlash to his growing progressive attitude regarding the LGBTQ plus community. There's a photo uh, on the Vatican's website that shows um, Sister Janine Gramic meeting with the pontiff. And she's an advocate for LGBTQ Catholics. Over the years, she has feared excommunication from the church for her liberal views and has been denounced, been denounced by church leaders. And, and while the new attitudes have drawn optimism by liberal members of the church, conservatives have been outraged, painting pro Pope Francis is, quote, a dangerous reformer who risks worsening what they see as confusion and undermining of church authority begun by the landmark 1960s Vatican II reforms. Oh, my God. We have a woke pope. You know, we're gonna... <laughs> a woke pope. <laughs> woke pope. <laughs> yeah, I can't have that. You know, there's a war on woke. I know. Exactly. Yes. So it's kind of like. The Pope is woke. <laughs> <laughs> now we're all going to die. You know, so that's why I was saying there before. I think that the Roman Catholic Church, the members are becoming increasingly conservative, you know. And I'm not saying anything against people who are part of the church who are not conservative there. I just think as a whole, you know, the church seems to be headed in that direction there. I mean, oh, because for like, sure. Pope, like Pope Francis is saying, the members won't agree with this. Like, I'm not necessarily against it there, but the members are kind of like, oh, hell no, we can't do that. So it's kind of like, uh, yeah, we're going to, it's because basically the members are more conservative, you know, and anytime we try to do something like that, there to basically foster inclusivity or, you know, try to make, you know, changes there that they won't like, they're going to push back, you know, and thus things oh, are going to sure. change. Sure. Like, the Catholic Church in general, as, as in particularly the Roman Catholic Church, has, has been one of the more oppressive religions, you know, regarding rules and regulations. Like, uh, my mom was married in a Catholic church, and you know, she, mm -hmm. she and my dad divorced, and um, you know, they they basically were like, "Yeah, you can't come back now because you got well, divorced." It's like they can't come back. Yeah. I mean, I have the same issue with my parents and everything there. But I would not say that my parents are very religious, you know, to begin with. No, my my mom wasn't. I don't I don't know much about what my dad believed in, but my mom, she had her faith. Uh -huh. At one point she wanted to be a nun. Oh wow. Yeah. But then, you know, she grew up a little bit and you know, <laughs> found other things. She, you know, became a nurse instead, which was way more valuable in my opinion. And but she had her yeah. faith, but she wasn't like really devoutly religious. Like I, I had to go and do, you know, the Catholic thing until I was about thirteen. Mm -hmm. When when they do, um, oh, what do you communion? call it? Uh, confirmation. 
Well, okay. When you okay. like, yeah, kind of like a reborn again kind of thing. You accept Jesus Christ. You become a full Lord member and... of the church, basically. Yeah, 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 basically. And you can choose. And at that point, she let me choose whether or not I wanted to continue in it after that. And I pretty much just stepped out. I remember I was raised Roman Catholic as well there. And I remember it was kind of like I was absent the week that we did take our confirmation test. Oh, yeah. So then basically they had me come in like some off day. And basically I was in like basically like a back room of like some church and everything. And she was proctoring me. I was just just taking the test and everything. (laughs) Well, I guess then a priest came in and he started talking to her and he was swearing up a storm. And she's like, you know, basically to him there. It's kind of like, you know, I don't think he realized there was somebody else there, you know. So in that case, <laughs> put the veil yeah. back on dude thank god i passed the test but that completely blew my faith in the catholic church it's kind of like you know if you can't control yourself there you know i mean it's it basically it's, it's a farce a fallacy you know it is as as the I whole consider. thing is yeah mm-hmm. it's garbage it's trash <laughs> i i figure it's the way to you know keep people under control i guess it is. it's the best way to put it there it so, is yeah, you, he's you, not wrong yeah He's not wrong. It is a cult. Yeah, yeah, it, it kind of is. So I mean, it has all the all the, the the steps of it, you know. Exactly, and I think it's like basically he tries to push back, and everybody else is kind of like no, and so he's kind of like he's damned if he does, and he's damned if he doesn't, you know. Yeah, I'm a little worried about his safety over this because you know, like there there are things that. I mean, the Vatican is a business just like anything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and if anything threatens that power structure, they're, they're going to put a stop to it. And you can kind of tell because, like, you know, churches are having to combine forces and everything. They're just to remain relevant. And I think relevant. Churches, yeah. Yeah. I think with, you know, population nowadays the church is becoming less and less relevant i think they're starting to run a little scared you know and so in this case he's trying to be more progressive you know but i think the conservative members are louder and they're pushing back and they're winning right now and they are it's they not are. a good thing i think it's probably gonna cause the death of the catholic church that's probably what's going to happen i don't know that that would be a bad thing in the long run true <laughs> <laughs> But again, like we were saying earlier, we could do a whole other show about the the, the Roman Catholic Church. Oh my God. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah. So going from there to Russia. <laughs> yeah, good old Russia. Yes, which is just as bad there. What, what's happening with our comrades in Russia? A top Russian court bans the LGBT movement as extremist. So Russia's Supreme Court ruled on November 28th that LGBT activists should be designated as extremists in a move that represents the gay and transgender people fear will lead to arrests and prosecutions. A Reuters reporter in court heard it announced that it had been approved a request from the Justice Ministry that recognized what it calls the international LGBT social movement as extremist and abandon its activities. The move is in part a pattern of increasing restrictions in Russia on expressions of sexual orientation and gender identity, including laws outlawing the promotion of non-traditional uh, sexual relations and banning legal or medical changes of gender. President Vladimir Putin expected shortly to announce that he will seek a new six-year term in March 
has long sought to promote an image of Russia as a guardian of traditional moral values in contrast with a decadent West. In a speech last year, he said that the West was welcome to adopt a rather strange, in my view, newfangled trends like dozen of genders and gay parades, but it had no right to pose those on other countries. I really hate how they they make it an ideology. Yeah, I I, I agree. Yeah, and under Putin, it became very you know he started down this path. Putin's spokesperson, Dmitry Peskov, told reporters before the court decision was announced that the Kremlin was not following the case and had no comment on it. Bullshit. Yeah. The Supreme Court took around five hours to issue its ruling after opening its session at 10 a.m. The proceedings were closed to the media, but reporters were allowed to hear the decision. LGBT activists had seen the decision as inevitable after the 17th of November request by the Justice Ministry which said without giving examples that various signs and manifestations of extreme orientation, including the incitement of social and religious discord, had been identified in the activities of the LGBT movement in Russia. More than 100 groups already banned Russia and as extremists. Previous listings, for example, of the Jehovah's Witnesses religious movement organizations linked to opposition political, linked to opposition politician, Alexei Natality, I don't know how to pronounce that name there, has served <laughs> as a prelude to arrest there. So, yeah, basically here, uh, Sergi said that activities such as psychological and legal support or even meetings where you can just sit and drink tea will be driven underground, depriving many LGBT people of support. Uh, they said they will either commit suicide or simply be in some terrible state. Their life will be shortened and their health will deteriorate. They will drink and smoke more and so on, somehow trying to escape from reality. <sighs> Is it just me or any picture you see from Russia? It looks like they smoked and drank a little too much. Yeah. They got a lot of nerve. <laughs> There's one thing that the conservatives are good at, and that's projection. Yes. <laughs> And, and I, I think this links back to the last story there, where it's kind of like where the Roman Catholic Church is becoming more conservative. Obviously, Russia is becoming more conservative in this case. Right. And I don't know that they've always, they, they've been terribly progressive in the, you know, to begin with. So this isn't a terribly surprising to me that they would be taking this, this stance because like, I mean, across the world, like what we're seeing now is, I don't know what I'm calling the death rattle of conservative ideology. And, and we're seeing an extinction burst with all of these extremist positions against minorities, because, you know, in the end, it's, it's all about remaining in power and that people don't want to share the microphone. I think it's that, but I think also too, it's kind of like, you know, it's like conservatives last stand in a sense where it's kind of like, because the reason why things are so polarized is, is that they're trying to make a big push to make things their way. Because I think the big difference between a liberal and a conservative is liberals kind of like, you can believe either thing and do either thing, and we're not going to stop you from doing either thing. And conservatives are like, we had to do it my way or no way at all. Yeah, okay. yeah. Even like the abortion I... issue is a good example of that there. It's kind of like, you know, basically conservatives want people to be pro-life you know, pro and nothing but pro-life. 
And people who are liberal can be like, well, you can be pro-choice or pro-life. We don't care. You can pick whatever one you want to follow because it doesn't bother us individually there. But basically, it, long story short, they're trying to basically push their values onto us and make them follow mm -hmm. them whether we believe them or not. And then the, they have the nerve to turn around saying they're the ones being oppressed because they can't push their ideas and values and anything else they want onto everybody else. So anyways, uh, we're going to go ahead here and we're going to take a break. And wow, we, <laughs> it's been quite an interesting uh, first half of the show here. So you ready for the second half? Yeah, I am. We're going <laughs> to talk about some, uh, you know, some, some more extreme things. Glass ceiling is being broken. Yes, it is. Anyways, we'll be right back to Not Sure Cast after this. Want to support Not Straight Cast? Visit the notstraightcast.com slash store where you can get a Not Straight Cast t-shirt, hat, bag, coffee mug, and much, much more. Along with getting some snazzy merchandise, your purchase in the notstraightcast.com forward slash store also helps support the show. Once again, that's notstraightcast.com forward slash store. Welcome back to Not Straight Cast. So we've had our tiny little break here. And I think we're ready to head on into the next story. Heck yeah. All right. So yeah. the next story is about Tony Atkins, and she is breaking the glass ceiling. She is uh, the president pro tempore of the California Senate. For those who don't understand what that means, it's the highest ranking member of the Senate. Like in the case of the U.S. Senate, the president pro tempore would stand in for the vice president if necessary. So Tony Atkins is the first openly lesbian member of the California Senate, and she has publicly expressed serious consideration of running for governor of California in 2026. If she were to succeed, she would not only break gender barriers, but she would also be California's first openly LGBTQ governor. And though, though California is known for being progressive, up until now, all of California's governors have been straight white men. And Gavin Newsom will be at the end of his term, and it's looking like there will be a Democratic showdown as numerous Democrats vie for the most important seat in the state government. So... Who is Tony Atkins? Well, she grew up in a working class family in rural Virginia, and the family home didn't even have running water. She moved to San Diego in 1985 to help with child care for her twin sister, who was serving in the U.S. Navy. And then she went on to work for a women's health clinic and later for San Diego City Council member Christine Cahoe, a lesbian who was the first out LGBTQ plus person on the council. And when Cahoe was elected to the California Assembly in 2000, Atkins was elected to the council seat she vacated. So Atkins was also San Diego's acting mayor for a time. Um, she was elected to the assembly in 2010 and became speaker in 2014. She moved up to the state Senate in 2016 and became its president pro tempore in 2018. And during governor's absences, she has served as acting governor and signed bills into law. 
Um, her most proud um, achievements have been enacting policies that help people in poverty, um, such as implementing the Affordable Care Act and now offering tax benefits to impoverished families. If she decides to seek the, the Democratic nomination for governor, she will have a substantial and diverse competition. Um, there is Lieutenant Governor Eleni Kunalakis. Um, she's a superintendent for public instruction, uh, Tony Thurman and former controller Betty Yee. The latter two are both people of color. Thurman is black and Yi is of Chinese descent. Attorney Bob or Rob Bonta, whose Filipino heritage is also considering to run. Uh, last year saw the election of the nation's two first lesbian governors, Mara Healy in Massachusetts and Tina Kodak in Oregon. Oregon previously had a bisexual governor, Kate Brown, and Colorado was the first state to elect an out gay as gay man as governor, Jared Polis, who is in his second term right now. And another gay man, New Jersey Governor Jim McGreevy, came out upon resigning in 2004. He's now back in politics running for mayor of Jersey City. Um, Atkins, oh, wow. yeah, Atkins candidacy represents a significant step towards breaking the pattern and fostering a more inclusive political environment. And as the race unfolds, Atkins stands as a symbol of progress and a testament to the evolving landscape of American politics where diversity and representation are gaining increasing pro prominence. And representation really matters in government, you know, especially when it comes to the gender barrier, because, you know, women make up 50 to 55% of the population, but only 20% of the United States government. So let's get this straight. Gavin Newsom is the current governor. I guess he can't run again. No, there's um, term limits okay, for, so they have term for limits, governors. So. Yeah. Okay. So in that case, sir, yeah, there's a crowded field. And it seems like it's always that way in California. There's always a crowded field, you know. Like it whenever... is. They 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 seem to be ahead of the rest of the country in, in most things, like mm -hmm. from politics to music, even. <laughs> yeah, we could have Governor Gary Coleman. I'm not sure if he's still alive though. But no, yeah. <laughs> no, he 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 died. I forget what year he died, but he passed away. Boy. But it just seems like there's just been so many, you know, different, you know, people running for governor, you know, Kate, you know, Cato Caitlin, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about mm -hmm. that. <laughs> oh, yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Exactly. Yeah, it's just kind of like, it's just ridiculous the amount of people running for governor. Like, the only thing, like, my fear is with her is that she's going to be such a crowded field that nobody's going to get enough votes make it worth it yeah yeah i can see that happening it's i'm not sure about how uh like governor races is it the same as the like the national like how we will have like the primary and then like all the democrats will have a debate and then it gets narrowed mm -hmm. down or like does it work like that or where we wind up with just two people to choose from I don't know exactly, but in this case, then, nonetheless, I mean, her record seems to be pretty good. You know, the key is, is that whether, you know, her opponents are going to find any dirt on her. Like that's they would true, with other, you know, 
yeah that that's yeah mm-hmm. i'm sure that there will be something like yeah. from the, at least coming from the republican party exactly so they're gonna pull out all the stops that they possibly can you know all the negative ads being run and everything there yeah <laughs> just... yeah that's foul i i that mm-hmm. shouldn't be they shouldn't be allowed to do that it's, you know, Atkins not is not for families. <laughs> <laughs> Just because well, of mean, the fact that she's a lesbian, you know, she may yeah. have her own family. I don't know. You know I'm, I'm waiting for her to get to start getting out that she's oh, yeah. going to be, you know, running and uh, see what folks like uh, Ron DeSantis have to say about that. Oh, you guarantee it's not going to be anything good, you know. Did Gavin Newsom just like wipe the floor with him in that debate the other night too? <laughs> that I didn't watch, but I was ah, there, it's yeah. worth it. You should, <laughs> <laughs> you should. It was good. Like because Ron DeSantis, you know, in in a moment of bravado, challenged Gavin Newsom to a debate, not thinking that he'd take him up on it. Because <laughs> <laughs> neither, I mean, like maybe. You know, um, Ron DeSantis is a candidate, but Gavin Newsom is not, you know, no, no. incumbent Democratic. You know what he said, know. though? He said he there's say? some he said that there's during the uh, debate, he goes, um, there's something that you, Ron, and I have in co- common. And that's that neither one of us are going to be uh, the nominated party for president. <laughs> he took like a I'm not sure that's paraphrased, obviously, but. But yeah. that is so true. That is it, so wait, true. Oh, yeah, because he's like down forty-one points in the polls. And oh, yeah. Like his own his own party is sick of him. But seriously, I mean, getting to that, there, it's kind of like you know, I'm trying to figure out how Trump has the amount of support he has for being, you know, under as many indictments. You know, having as many charges brought up against them. Yeah, that's. I think as far as the government goes and why has so many people still supporting him there is because he has dirt on them that they don't want out. That's the well, only thing that makes sense. Why does the public support him, though? It's not like he has dirt on the public, you know? Um. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't he, think I don't I don't think we have any answers there, but it's kind of like it's kind of weird that when the elections come, it's kind of like they don't do that well. No, they don't. They they have to gerrymander and you know uh, suppress voting to be able to win because they know that their ideas aren't popular. Exactly. So, kind of like to the point there where it's kind of like it either be my way or the highway kind of thing. You know, it's kind of yeah, like, you know, the yeah. whole entire you know we're not going to certify the results of the elections because the elections were rigged. Well, these fascist ideas, yeah, yeah, these fascist ideas are always. If you look back in history, they always come up um, when a a certain like idea or ideology or or you know a party or or whoever the powers that be are losing that power, and and so they they want to usher in this age of fascism where they, you know, basically just take control and. Mm Because, I mean, I forget who it was, but um, one of the members of the Republican Party got, you know, actually said that um, pure democracy is no way to run a country. Well, because because, because we don't support, you know, because they don't support those things or. Well, because they can't win if it's like, that's why we still have the Electoral College is because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's. It, it's still not a pure democracy, but he was there. There's like he actually said that, you know, that's no way to run a country. Run a country with an iron fist, you know, and 
I fear that's the direction we're heading if we don't get. I mean, and it even seems like, you know, basically, I think Trump with his language in the last speech that he gave, they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're trying to erase the vermin. You know, it's kind of like yeah. his language is very much on the same course as like, you know, dictatorships, you know, like, for example, Hitler, you know. Well, his everything he said point by point were Hitler's talking points. <laughs> Figures. L- literally. Even down to the word vermin. Orange Hitler. That's all I had to say. <laughs> <laughs> the mango Mussolini. So getting on to our next story here. Um, <laughs> this kind of comes from the opposite side here, you know. So listen to the story here and tell me what you think about this here. So because this is not normally a story that we would do on this show here, but it's kind of like basically it's kind of like this is on the other side of things here. So let me know what you think okay so a school chaplain who was fired after telling pupils they did not have to agree with the lgbt ideology is taking legal action against his former head teacher so the reverend bernard randall 51 was fired for gross misconduct by trent college in 2019 and was reported to prevent that's the government's counterterrorism program i'm assuming this is in the uk of our ah, to his school's chapel Prevent later dismissed the concerns after finding that there was no counterterrorism risk or risk of radicalization in its sermon. His local Church of England diocese, the Diocese of Derby, later carried out its own investigation and concluded that he posed a moderate safeguarding risk to children. He has not been allowed to preach a sermon in the last four years. His latest legal action comes after he lost his unfair dismissal claim at an employment tribunal in February. The Christian Legal Center the CLC, which supported him, said the ordained Church of England chaplain was secretly reported to the teachings regulatory agency the following month by Trent head leader Bill Penty. The CLC claims that Mr. Penty called on the TRA, the Teaching Regulation Agency, to launch an investigation into Randall's actions and hold a misconduct hearing and also referred Randall to the Disclosure and Barring Service, DBS. The TRA decided not to take forward in a case against them, but the DBS has yet to make a decision. If it finds against them, it could result in him being barred from working with children and as a vicar. Randall has launched legal action against Mr. Penty, claiming victimization, continued harassment, and discrimination on the grounds of his Christian beliefs. Commenting on his legal action, he said the referral felt vindictive and malicious. So he said, I'm relieved that the TRA had decided not to bring a case against me, but I'm horrified that it's gotten this far. Prevent and TRA referrals appear to be weaponized to intimidate and silence anybody who dares speak against the prevailing secular opinion on human sexuality and identity. It is deeply concerning that the school has also tried to use my freedom to speak to the media about what has happened to me to justify the referral. What has happened sends a message to Christian teachers and to any professional who does not celebrate and promote gender identity in schools that not only will you be sacked, but you could also be barred from the profession indefinitely if you fail to comply. You can no longer teach or encourage debate among children or adults that there are viewpoints other than embracing full-on LGBT plus ideology. See, that's that word again, ideology. That's just... This is unattainable in a truly free and democratic country. Every teacher, pupil, and parent should be concerned about the ideology being forced on the schools, often without parents having had any knowledge of it there. So, in this case here, then, basically, 
the way the story is going there is is that because of his beliefs, he feels he's being victimized. But on the other hand, there too, his beliefs are is is that you know the church doesn't condone this. There, I can understand to a certain point his argument here. Okay, I I can too. That basically, um, you know, he's he's a representative of the church, I guess we could say. And so in this case, so the church is obviously not going to embrace this here. Um, I, I think that where the problem is, and I, I think that this has probably been maybe taken out of context, context in a like, I don't know. It, it feels like it was probably diminished um, as to what he probably actually said, mm-hmm. but no, I, I, I'm assuming that uh, they have, you know, um, fairly close ideas to what we have regarding, you know, separation of church and state. So it shouldn't be political, people's sexuality and gender identity and, you know, who they are. It shouldn't be political, but it is. So talking about that in the classroom, um, I don't know. I don't know if that's, I guess I just don't know enough about what is I'm allowed to that... be said in classrooms and not, because I, I got to tell you, like, I, I mean, I grew up in a different time. I graduated high school in 1992, but they didn't talk about that. They didn't talk about sexuality. It just wasn't a thing. Like, yeah, I don't think it was the thing back in our day because I graduated in '95, so I'm not that is, far behind you there. Is that something that that happens now? Like, do do they actually talk about this in classrooms? I think probably what it was there is is that so he's in a Christian school, okay? Okay. So because he gave the sermon in the school's chapel, okay, so there was a religious component there. I think yeah. what it was is that his teaching in the church in in the school's view did not agree, and thus in the case that's why he was brought to the you know why why you know they were kind of like whoa 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 you shouldn't be saying this kind of thing there because this is not what the school says. So it's a matter there of you know, but he's saying this is well, this is what my religion says, but it's kind of like we're in disagreement here. So. I guess here in this case here, which wins out? Is it the school's ideology or is it his own ideology? You know? I and, well, I mean, if it, if the school has a you know a DEI initiative and and that's you know the rules, then yeah, he should have been fired for saying that because he just broke school policy if he's a teacher there. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking there, too. I agree with you on that, because I'm thinking if he's a teacher there and he got fired because of, you know, yeah, school policy. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, he deserved it then. But on the other hand, there, he's religious official there. And I guess his religion doesn't support LGBTQ. So it's kind of like he's between a rock and a hard place, I think, is what it kind of boils down to. And I think because of the fact that the school is his employer they would win out there. So yeah. I think whether the firing was fair, yes. But, you know, it goes against his beliefs there. So maybe he should have found other employment, I guess is what we're saying. <laughs> right. Maybe just be a a pastor or whatever and 
teacher fire and brimstone or there's enough things you could talk about without ever bringing up the subject here you know if it's yeah there are like i just don't know why it's coming up like just in general because there's been all this talk about you know what you can't like the whole don't say gay crap that's going on down in florida like i i didn't even realize that was a thing that that mm -hmm. teachers were talking about like how does that even come up like during a math lesson or you know what I, I don't know i guess i'm just out of touch <laughs> <laughs> i am i'm old i'm out of touch and me too <laughs> exactly <laughs> i'm getting more use out of this farting around sound <laughs> i like it yeah it, it is it, it's useful <laughs> anyways uh so yeah we've talked a lot about religion and choice and everything there so let's go on all right so a long-running joke in the united states has been to move to canada <laughs> and it began during the presidency of george w bush and most recently with the onslaught of anti-trans legislation um, its early legalization of gay marriage has led to many leftists in America believing the northern country is far more progressive than the U.S. Though this talk has been, though this has been widely talked about, um, it was mostly just that, just talk. However, in recent times, hundreds of state-level bills targeting trans people have forced some folks to seriously consider moving to friendlier states. But now with restrictive legislation on the federal level being discussed on topics such as gender affirming care, transgender people in the military and sports, teaching gender identity in schools, um, activist Aaron Reed, who tracks anti-gender legislation in the United States, says that more Americans are seeking refuge in other countries. Move to Canada, eh? <laughs> well, Aiden Polidoros, a man who had been assigned female at birth and has since transitioned, spent 10 years of his life in Arizona. Um, but in 2022, a transphobic attack left him considering moving to Canada, which he did. He moved to Vancouver in April of 2023. And as a writer, uh, it was easy to take his work with him. I mean, he says that he felt safer in Canada, but nationwide protests regarding LGBTQ inclusive school policies left him disillusioned. Um, organizers of the protest believe that teaching LGBTQ identities in school amounts to the indoctrination and sexualization of children, which, uh, again, the projection thing. Um, transgender advocates and allies see the accusations of indoctrination as thinly veiled transphobia in part because it's a throwback to tactics used in the past that labeled lesbians and gay men as groomers. Polidoros now believes that he was naive to believe um, he wouldn't encounter transphobia in Canada. And until this point, the anti-trans panic had seemed like it had not reached Canada. Um, activist Aaron Reed said now that of course has changed um, the LGBTQ advocacy group EGAL Canada says there are signs anti-trans movements are picking up steam in Canada and around the world um, the executive director of EGAL Canada Helen Kennedy says that I haven't seen it this bad in all the time that I've been doing this work what we're seeing in the U.S. is kind of permeating across the border and into Canada, and that's that. That's, I think she hit it right on the head, right there. Well, yeah, I mean that that kind of hatred spreads like a disease. Well, it's also kind of like there too. You'll see 
pro-Trump rallies in mm-hmm. Canada. In Canada. They, they they have no skin in the game, you know. He's not right. their president. He's not their candidate. You know? But he hates the same people that they do. And it's kind of like, I think it's like, you know, he made it okay for them to be able to say, you know. Yeah, be the, foul. Like what, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, basically say what they should not have been saying ever to be said. I, no, I, I miss the days when homophobia and racism were an embarrassment and people kept that shit to themselves. Like now it's, it's yeah. I can't believe what is happening. <laughs> and, and it's not just the United States. Like, like, I mean, this is, you know, about Canada who's supposed to be, you know, more progressive. And, you know, I know people that went to Canada be, to get married before, you know, oh, yeah. and it, it was legalized in the United States, even for civil unions. Um, but there have been protests at libraries over drag story time events and socially conservative groups have continued to protest LGBTQ inclusive school policies. And that's happening in Canada. It sounds like everything that's happened in the United States is not happening in Canada. Just yeah, later, basically. Yeah. Um, and the protests are largely focused on education because of the alleged peril to children, you know, save the kids. Um, advocates say they contribute to broader feeling that transphobia in Canada is becoming more prominent. And the same people that are advocating for the loss of care in the United States are doing the same thing in countries across Europe. Um, they're doing the same thing in New Zealand and Australia, and indeed they're doing the same thing in Canada. Um, Polidoros, who's now lived in Canada for several months, says he can't afford to uproot his life, whole life again. He's not sure there'd be a point. He can't keep running from bigotry. It's going to be everywhere, he said. So all we can do is keep fighting. You know, I've, I've said before, progress always wins. Sometimes, you know, we get buried in the crap for a while, but like more people in this world, you know, support the lgbtq plus community um it's just that the people that uh are against it are the loudest unfortunately yeah i 100 percent agree i think we need to be louder you know but on the other hand we need to too, be louder yeah that whole take the high road thing is that's come and gone it, it's time to yeah because that seems to be a real big thing with democrats is that we want to you know take the high road you know yeah and you can't you mm-hmm. like you don't want to fight dirty, but you don't want to. I think that we've reached the point that we've reached um, because of of complacency and just not willing to rock the boat. Well, okay. So you said there earlier, like fight dirty. You know. Now I guess the question is, if we fight dirty, are we just as bad as the other side? Or well, yeah, that's we, what I mean. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like I don't think we should fight dirty, um, but I think you should use they the, they should use the uh, the information and tools that they have, and, and you know, out the people that are doing bad things. Like, like we just yeah. saw George Santos just got booted from Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, and and that's he he you know and i don't think it's going to stop there because there are indictments coming to people like matt gates and marjorie taylor green for their part in the january 6th insurrection um, I, I i think what it is is that the faction of the republicans who are completely off the rails 
Namaga. Yeah, is very loud. And I think it's basically the Republicans are starting to realize there that they're going to literally, you know, kill their movement, you know, if they keep down this path here. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they definitely are. They can't agree on their own policies yeah. anymore. So, like, they, the, the, they, the they really run the house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot more moderate Republicans out there than there are people have to believe there. But it's also on the other hand there too. It's kind of like, you know, it's like they need to take sides in the battle there. And it's kind of like, well, we have to support Trump because you know if we don't, then it's gonna be like we're gonna be completely utterly fractured. And you notice here a lot of people who you know were more moderates, like Mitt Romney, for example, are no longer, you know going to be in congress that they haven't left already you know right. they're, they're not going to run for re-election or anything like that there so yeah but you know and on the opposite side uh, one like one good thing for the democratic party is the more centrist democrats like yeah. uh, uh what's that guy from west virginia the, the, joe mansion joe mansion yeah mm -hmm. like he's not running for re-election I, I think he said so you know that's going to open up for you know possibly a a, a more progressive candidate to take that seat. <laughs> I think we're gonna get a Republican there, not nah. not not, not a Democrat. So uh, West Virginia, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I mean because that's what Joe Manchin is like. He claimed to be a Democrat, but he voted with the Republicans most of the time. He's what they call a Dino. A Dino, yeah, yeah, Dino, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. But with the same thing on the other end there too. We have people who are you know rhinos, Republican yeah. only. So yeah. You know, and I think maybe Romney was one of those people. He could have been a moderate Democrat, you know. Yeah, he he mellowed. I, I didn't mm -hmm. support him when he was running for president. Yeah. Um, like I don't like some of his ideas, but you know, he's he's not a maniac. Like Donald Trump's a psychopath. He seems to be reasonable there. And I think that's what we need a lot more of nowadays. And I don't think that we're getting there, is that we're getting a lot of like bipartisanship. Yeah, there it's kind of like we're actually debating the issues as opposed to debating ideology, you know. Right, and then yeah, like it's it's gotten to the point where it's a it's clown show basically. Like for example, for example, they had a uh, hearing on AI, you know, in the house there. And it was basically like, and they had invited a bunch of people there to it there, and it seemed to be completely utterly reasonable discussion that they had you know uh -huh. and it's like we need to have a lot more of those there and it's kind of like the, the media just wants to take all the controversy and everything there and blow it out of proportion oh sure so they do i think these people fundamentally agree upon the issues there just how the best to implement them there and i think it's pretty much there we're ending up in a case there where um we have you know the, the extremists on the one side of the republican party there that don't they just want to burn the place down that don't want to actually get anything done oh no they're definitely there to burn the whole place down and i think the, the monitors are getting sick of that there and they're kind of like because we're getting nowhere quickly with this yeah. is that we need to do something they've about done this here. nothing they've done nothing as a, mm -hmm. a legislative body and then in this case here yeah basically i think that they're kind of fighting against the force there where it's kind of like well we have the public who supports us there but honestly the public that supports them is just as unhinged as them, you know, so yeah. I, I don't think I'm hoping is, is that the progressives went out there because That's then in that case, at least we'll have Cross like fingers. the appearance of choice again, you know, <laughs> the appearance. Yeah. That's yeah.
And that's all it seems like nowadays there is the appearance, you know? <laughs> it is. They tell us who we can and can't vote for. Exactly. But anyways, on to something completely different. The paraphrase Monty Python. <laughs> Let's have some fun now. <laughs> the last trick cast. Moment of conclusion. <laughs> You'll love this story. <laughs> The article says, these bats seem to use their huge junk to have weird sex. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> From politics to bat sex. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it looks like flying is the only unusual thing that bats can do compared to other mammals. New researchers found the bat species who males use their large penises like an arm during sex. Rather than have penetrative sex, these bats are in their genitals seems to engage in close contact kissing, a method widely seen in birds, but never before in mammals. Bats are one of the most plentiful mammal groups around, accounting for 20% of known species, but there's still so much we don't know about them, thanks in part to their nocturnal and secluded lifestyles. There have been hints that bat reproduction has its own quirks relative to other mammals. In some species, for, for instance, Female bats are capable of storing sperm collected before they undergo hibernation, allowing them to get pregnant after they emerge from hibernation. Oh. Um, other species could delay the development of their fertilized embryos until the conditions for a successful pregnancy are better, such as no having... No kidding. Them. Yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty advanced, though, as far as I'm concerned. That's interesting. The authors of a new study published... Monday in the Journal of Current Biology says that their curiosity was initially sparked by a distinctive attribute found among male serotonin bats. They're huge junk. <laughs> by chance, we observed that these bats had disproportionately long penises. And we're always wondering, how does that work? <laughs> oh, man. We thought maybe it was like the dog with the penis and gorges after penetration so they're, so they're locked together. Or alternately, maybe they just couldn't put it inside. But that type of cupulation hasn't been reported in mammals until now. The find oh. out, thousands of his colleagues enlisted the help of a bat rehabilitation center in Ukraine, as well as Dutch citizen scientist Jan Jukin, both of which have serendipitously collected hours of footage on these bats going about their day. And nestled within that footage was plenty of bat-on-bat -bat action. <laughs> what the heck? Bat porn. <laughs> Bat porn. Na, 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 bat porn. Bat porn. <laughs> yeah. That's literally the first thing I thought of there, too. The team documented 97 uh, events, basically, finding no evidence that these bats have penetrative sex. Instead, the bat's penis enlarges before it reaches the female's bat vagina. During the mating process, which has the male grab onto the female by the nape of the neck, the penis seems to brush away the protective tail membrane surrounding the vulva then stays pressed up against it for an extended time. So the average length of these encounters was 53 minutes, but the longest recorded bat lasted about 12 hours. Oh my God. So basically, it's like it's like a male and a female having sex and the male's trying to get inside, but the woman's clamping down and they can't get in. That's <laughs> what it seems like to me there. So the team also studied live and dead serotonin bats in the lab, confirming a new other genital-related traits for instance, the penises are about seven times longer than the vaginas. Ouch. <laughs> well, the heads of these penises are heart-shaped and about seven times wider than the vaginal opening. Ouch, ouch. Oh, God, I'm a cringing and lesbian. <laughs> cringing and lesbian. 
The cervix in females is also unusually the cervix in females is also unusually long, which might help their ponies to store or be more selective about the serum that inseminates them. All in all, evidence points to a long-standing bat arms race between male and female serotonin bats and how they mate. Hmm. So yeah. Anyways. <laughs> It's, I'm sorry it's to worry like, about you finding these stories. Where do you find these stories? <laughs> this was on Gizmodo, okay? So you can go and read it off there if you want uh, to. Yeah, I'm going down a rabbit hole tonight. I see it coming already. Yeah, because I put the <laughs> links for all the stories that, like the doc that we use there for these oh, stories. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I put it down at the end. It's, it's on Gizmodo. Popular website, so. Oh, yeah. There. Completely, utterly crazy. I saw it there. I'm kind of like, eh, I need to put this story. <laughs> <laughs> In here, the world needs to know if I have to look at this, y'all have to look at this. I mean, are they using it as an arm and just throwing their sperm into the females? And that's, you know, that's it's what I'm seeing like... it as some kind of like baseball situation. Where it's like <laughs> she's she's down there like with a mitt. <laughs> it's kind of like you know it, it. Nonetheless, this can't be pleasurable. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't. No, that doesn't sound like it would be any fun. <laughs> Ouch. Are like, I'm going to have Ouch. sex. And females are like, nope, 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 nope. Nope. No wonder. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. They're this like, is just... you know, let, let me jack you off. I'll store it for the winter. <laughs> and, you know, you'll. Hey, it's still good. We're going to get pregnant now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's like after the male for God, it's kind of like, hey, I need child support. <laughs> 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 anyways yeah so uh -huh. <laughs> that is that <laughs> but i think we've come to an end of another show correct yeah i think so this was a good one i know anyways subscribe to us for all great podcasts are sold also check out notstraightcast.com which has links to our previous shows our facebook reddit and twitter pages the not straight store and a lot more and hey, if you like us, please suggest us to a friend and leave a five-star review in your favorite podcast app. We want to thank you very much for listening to our show. And until next time, have a not straight one. Bye for now. Bye. Want to support Not Straight Cast? Visit the notstraightcast.com slash store where you can get a Not Straight Cast t-shirt, hat, bag, coffee mug, and much, much more. Along with getting some snazzy merchandise, your purchase in the notstraightcast.com forward slash store also helps support the show. Once again, that's notstraightcast.com forward slash store. <laughs>